Hello, everybody, and welcome to an edition of the Canadian Premier League Newsroom Podcast. I am Christian Jack, alongside my team, and a massive warm welcome to our newest member of the team, Emily Wilson. Hello, Emily. Great to have you on board. Thanks, Christian. Yeah, it's very exciting to get started. Happy to be here. How are you guys? Everyone's good? We're all good, and better for having you here. We won't let you off the hook that easily. Uh, <laughs> before we move on, and we will talk a little bit of baseball, I'm sure, Charlie, sorry about that coming up, but uh, Emily, for the viewers and listeners unfamiliar with uh, your outstanding resume, maybe you can just share your love for the sport and uh, what kind of things you've been working on before joining us at our team. Yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, so kind of, I'm assuming like everyone, you fall in love with the sport simply because it's part of your family thing. Uh, Canadian, but my mother's Portuguese. So growing up, always watching it. It's always on the television. Uh, and then World Cups come around, you know, and it's, the coverage is always on. And I just I fell in love with it, plain and simple. Um, so I've been covering it uh, internationally for probably the last, I'd say, four or five years now. Um, the leagues in Spain, Premier League, Serie A, Bundesliga, um, women's football as well, Champions League stuff, kind of all over the map. But uh, excited to touch down in Canada. So, yeah, looking forward to it. And you're a Real Madrid fan, is that right? Yes. There you go. Well, yeah. Good for you. Well, it's great to have you on board. Emily was our correspondent on the great game this weekend, York 2, Halifax 2. We'll get more into that shortly and hear from Emily's thoughts on that and, of course, read about her re recap all on campiel.ca. Uh, before we move on, though, in honor of our own rookie joining the team, I want to ask you guys, who from the CPL this season has impressed you the most having not seen them before in 2021? A little throwout question there, considering we've been highlighted a lot of teams so far this year and a lot of good players. But uh, Emily is our rookie today. Which kind of rookie to the Canadian Premier League has impressed you the most? And it can be any age, just new to the Canadian Premier League this year. Charlie, let's go with you first. There are a few options that went through my head, but I've gone with maybe maybe an odd one. I'm going to go with Toby Varshevsky at FC Edmonton. Nice. I think it's been really good. I almost text you during the, uh, yes, the, the, the past to Eastern Angaro, Freddy Krueger's. <laughs> I feel like that is just dying, just like many people on Eddie Krueger's shows. Uh, there's yeah. dying a slow death, unfortunately, the nickname for the two boys. Up front. <laughs> we tried our hardest to keep it there, but it's just not working. Um, Marty, uh, anybody yeah. from a horror movie or anybody else you like from this year? I think I think it's about to be revived, Christian, because, I mean, we're coming up to Halloween. Nice. It's funny, we were just, That's a good we were point. Just, we were just driving around Toronto. This is a quick aside because today, driving around, there was a there was a poster for some like horror thing. I don't know in Toronto. It's a, anyways. It just had a bunch of like classic horror stars on it, but Freddy Krueger was not on it. And I just said out loud, I was like, "Oh, where's Eddie Krueger?" And then uh, my girlfriend <laughs> turns to me and was like, "What'd you just say?" I was like, "And <laughs> oh, I was like, and then it took me a while to figure it out." They're synonymous in my mind. Anyway, I love it, mate. So, you just made my I think, day. I, love I it. think they're coming back. It's going to come back. We got, we got the we got the we got the big Halloween holiday coming up. We will um, not let it die. We will not we let can't. this die. We can't. We can't. I'm going to go with another Edmonton player, though. I'm going to go with Paris wow. G. Nice. Um, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't watch a lot of USL Championship or Simon Fraser University before, uh, before this season. But uh, just super consistent, right? And he's been playing a ton. I think he's in the top ten in minutes in the league. And again, yeah. he just played it against uh, against Valor. Was really good against Calvary. Was good as well. Just super consistent and on a team that uh, that needs that. Love that. I think he's top three in tackles as well in the league this season. Uh, Benedict, Probably. are you going to go three for three with the Eddies, or knowing you, you're going to go somewhere else? I'm going to say in Alberta, but I'm going to go to Cavalry. I'm going to go with Dan Klomp. I think he's been dominant at the back choice. of Cavalry. And 
and maybe a, a sleeper pick for some MVP votes, in my opinion. Yeah, I love that. Clomp, that would have been my pick as well. And all this MVP discussion is starting now. It started today at One Soccer. I saw them tweeting about it and all this stuff. So there's lots of discussion about that. Uh, Emily, you're new to this. You don't have to throw one in there, but is there anybody you want to throw a shout out to uh, about this kind of any player that you caught your eye even today, even? Uh, yeah, I was thinking about it earlier. Um, I wouldn't say this is necessarily his rookie season, but I'd call it a breakout season. Uh, Stefan Karajovanovic. That's nice. I think yeah. he's been really impressive, yeah. uh, kind of actually finding his feet this time around, and it's uh, yeah, exciting times for him. So he's been really, really good for the Wanderers. Yeah, great pick. I love that as well. Uh, results this week: Valor one, FC Edmonton one on Saturday. Moses Dyer penalty on a retake, followed by Easton Angaro. That's right. One of the Eddie Krugers. Um, <laughs> he scored from the week, on the weekend, and Easton Angaro continues to just keep scoring, by the way. Uh, at York United 2, Halifax Wanderers 2 at the York Line Stadium on a wet Sunday afternoon in, well, across the province, as we saw in Ottawa as well, as Forge mm-hmm. dismantled Amistas Atletico Ottawa by three goals to nil in that game. Three games, we'll look back on them, talk a little bit of Forge and how they played in the CONCACAF League this week, and also look forward to a monumental week. That's right. A monumental week for World Cup qualifiers as Canada gets back in Mexico City to take on Mexico at the iconic Asterio Azteca. We'll talk a little bit more about that as well. But we'll start tonight in the, the in the nation's capital, a very wet nation's capital. And what a week it has been for Forge. Benedict, you're our guy on this game. It ended Atletico Ottawa nil, Forge 3. I don't want to bury the lead because I feel like a lead story coming out of this might just well be Mista's comments. Boy, oh boy, we'll get to them in a second. Uh, but Forge, no Becker, no Cisse, no problems. Just a top-class performance. Your take on this. Yeah, you mentioned top-class. I think uh, the Forge midfield didn't need those two uh, with Borges, Sabak, and uh, Ashton Odeonson. Uh that, that trio was pretty good in its own right, of course. Uh, Ashton Odeonson, uh almost got my pick for man of the match. Um, just defensively, they were impressive. They had the high press going. They didn't let Ottawa have any space. Uh, then offensively, they they broke through a couple times and scored a couple goals from the counterattack as well. So overall, a, a pretty convincing performance from them. Yeah, convincing. And as I said, Becker was suspended. Cisse was rested. That's okay. Let's throw on some subs called Nanko, Babuli, Welshman, and Brownie. Uh, <laughs> boy, oh boy. Uh, Marty, this team, in just at the right time, are finding different gears that maybe other teams can't find at all. Well, and they really are just that close to getting into the top one or two places. I know you touched on that after the game on one soccer, but it's really hard to look past this team, especially with Conk and Kakalevi. And I know there's going to be a ton of games coming, but it's really hard not to look past this team being, you know, I mean, right up there with Pacific, frankly, at this yeah, point. Yeah, you're Pacific. I'm right, a Pacific Marty? guy. That's right. I'm a Pacific yeah. guy. But close to it. Close to it. <laughs> Charlie, I don't know how many screens you own in your house. I know you were watching yeah. a certain baseball game at the same time as this one. And and you know what? You're allowed for, to do that because you've watched a ton of games mm-hmm. this year. So you are allowed comments on Forge. Uh, but I'm sure as you were watching both uh, George Springer hitting grand slams and, you know, um, Schwan Yeah just scoring at the same time as that pretty much. What were your yeah. overall thoughts about Forge's uh, very impressive performance here against Ottawa? Yeah, I... I... Cannot lie, I certainly had my attention a little divided at the time, but yeah, <laughs> we'll, I, I, we'll I obviously had, <laughs> obviously was was keeping an eye on this game because you know Forge is Forge is a very entertaining team to watch at the moment, who's really really full value every time they they're on the pitch, and you know it's another instance of Forge bringing out a different system, 
rotating a little bit, a complete, a completely new look, and they're just immediately effective with it, which is not something you can say for many teams at, at really any level, just being so flexible and able to change shape with so many different players coming in and doing new roles, and they're just immediately dominant. I mean, Ottawa didn't play very well. They're in a real tough spot at the moment, but you know, it just, just it, the story here is probably mostly how good Forge is at just throwing different tactical approaches to teams. Yeah, Benedict, uh, in his analysis on campiel.ca, talks about uh, Chris Manella's comments after the game. Chris said, quote, they're an organized team. This is Forge. Bobby and the entire coaching staff has them well drilled. They pressed us to the front. And to be honest, I don't think we dealt with it that badly. We actually played through them quite a few times. At the end of the day, we lose 3-0. But in terms of the press, I thought we managed them pretty decently and actually created some chances from their high press and playing through it. I thought we actually did all right with that. I can understand what he meant by that. But in the end... Um, again, back to you, Benedict. I mentioned this in the broadcast on One Soccer. This Forge team, maybe more than any other team, when they go in front, you feel like the game is going to be very difficult for the opponent. And a goal as early as the seventh minute when Sean Yair just went around the fullback at the, you know, with, with Costa kind of covered as well, but Anoni didn't necessarily held himself into a glory as well. When they took the lead, we just thought it was going to be a long day, a long day for Mises men, didn't you? Yeah, definitely. I think it uh, didn't help as well that sometimes the body language maybe wasn't the best for Ottawa. Um, that, that's something we kind of saw, especially towards the, the later parts of the game. But uh, it kind of felt like when the first goal went in, like, here we go again, almost like. Um, and then, as, as Manolo said, they did do a good job of, of I think, countering the, the forge press. But at the same time, when they did go back the other way and, and get a chance, they didn't do anything with those chances. And, and that's ultimately one of the biggest issues with this Ottawa team is not being able to find the back of the net when they do get those chances. Yeah, the couple of chances you highlight, highlighted them again in your analysis, bad plays, bad passes, chances with, you know, some, you know, a real opportunity Ryan Telford could have played through to Brian Wright and just put ball in the wrong, wrong area and, it, you know, in the offside position. I'll get to your take, Benedict, on Daniel Crutzen in a second. But Emily, what's your overall thoughts of the two-time champions forge so far as they're looking to really start to head into another platform here in 2021? I mean, I think you kind of touched on it there, Christian, two-time champions. Hasn't been mentioned, but everybody knows that. And it's just it's just a statement performance from Forge, really. Um, I think Atletico Ottawa, they're in a bit of trouble. Uh, yeah, like we touched on earlier, but again, it's the two-time champions. What else are they going to yeah. pull? It's like, it's like they pull something out of their pocket every single game. And right. it's, it's just, it yeah. never ends. So it's not really, um, it's not a too surprising of a scoreline, in my opinion. But um at the same time, it's going to be interesting to see how the teams go moving forward. Um, can Forge keep pulling out tricks? Who knows? Can they make it higher in the table? Um, or can Atletico Ottawa, you know, kind of stifle other opponents and kind of rise? So it'll be interesting to see. You mentioned the not surprise scoreline. I think it's um, Forge 10, Atletico Ottawa nil in combined scoreline mm -hmm. so far through four games. Um, I was at a couple of those already. Oh boy, oh boy, they just blow teams away when they get to that point. You mentioned, I mentioned Crutzen to you, Benedict. I talked about him today in the show, and we talked a little bit both about him. Uh, we both talked about him in the press conference. He was a captain. Obviously, Becker was suspended. Great game, by the way, to be suspended for if you ever need a guy to take a rest. I don't know whether they would have played him anyway. How convenient did that turn out to be? Um, but Crutzen is the leader on the pitch when he's not there. And just, again, in a back four today, he's very comfortable in a three. But just an overall solid effort from Crutzen today. For your, your take on him and Ashinori Janssen, it was brilliant again. 
Yeah, as, as I kind of wrote my preview for this game, uh, Cruz and Ashton Yodi Anson, they keep both playing as a back four or, or Ashton Yodi Anson going back into a back three. And I think we saw both of those at times in this game. With, uh, as you mentioned, one soccer, Kwame Wuwa dropping into midfield as well. Uh, and and Cruz behind them was, was really solid. He didn't really let anything past him. And uh, he obviously has an eye for a pass as well, kind of like a Dan Klomp. Uh, he can play out of the back. He can play... Defensively, he can he can do it all really, and I think uh, I think you said this as well. One soccer, there's definitely another level I think for him. Yeah, that's the good side. Uh, we'll get to Forge in the Concacaf League in a second, but to uh, let's talk about I suppose the good, the bad, and the ugly. We've talked about the good. Let's talk about the bad. Ottawa quote from Mista afterwards, highlighted by Benedict quote: "The problem is not losing; it's the feeling because we never had the feeling we could score goals and be better than Forge today." Today is hard for us because we are not like a team. We play like individual guys, and this is not the way for us. We've all been involved in Mister's press conferences this year. Uh, we understand he has obviously difficult times adapting to the English language. Uh, there's nothing lost in translation there, Charlie. <laughs> no. Oh, he's so sad. It, it makes me sad. <laughs> he's not wrong. I mean, this, this is a team that, at their best, do play as a team, move the ball very well. And, you know, they look quite good and, and in sync, but sometimes a performance like this where it unravels very quickly and they're suddenly completely disjointed and everybody looks a little bit lost out there. And it, it really is unfortunate that that does seem to be happening for this club a few times, especially when, you know, things don't go their way in the early stages of a game. Uh, yeah, I, I can absolutely see where Mrs. Frustration comes from. It's interesting because he said they played like individuals, they keep making mistakes and we debated this afterwards on the post-game show a little bit in terms of this is what you want to hear as a fan, right? You want mm -hmm. solid, yeah. accurate, and, and honest analysis. You're an Ottawa fan. You're like, yeah, bang on. He knows what's going on. But if you're a player, do you want to hear that, Marty? Even though he might be right, is that the coach calling them out a little bit because and diverting the blame a little bit? Because isn't as much as we love him, isn't that part of his job to get that right? Yes, it is. But at the same time, I don't think I think players should be fired up at this point in the season just because of something we touched on, uh, I think, a week ago or two weeks ago with this team. Like they're fighting for spots in this squad for next year. Like make, make no mistake about it. Like you need to prove yourself to not only Mista, but for people that will be watching at home. So I, I don't I don't think these players need to be necessarily riled up for any other reason. But, yeah, you, you do have a point on. Yeah, I mean that that is Misa's job ultimately, and this is a team that you know continues to continues to flounder, unfortunately. But uh, I don't know; it's it's still interesting to see. I still think there's going to be a couple players that will rise in the next couple of weeks here, as they, you know, and maybe they stick around next year. But uh, but other than that, you know, we're trying to find some positives. If I'm an Ottawa fan, it's tough. Pauly's been good; made a big mistake on the second goal today. Becky's been excellent; was very good yeah. again today. Yeah. Just didn't, just couldn't do any more, you know, defensively. I like McKendry. I'm not quite sure. I like him putting him at centre back with a twenty with a quarter of the game left because I thought it took him out of his best position in midfield. Um, you're looking at pillars. You know, Nunez came off at halftime. Soto came on at second half. Still not seen the best out of either of those, even though, you know, I think a few of us would say we'd love Soto in, in, in part of some of his games. But, yeah, yeah you know, Malcolm Shaw's had a good season, but, you know, it's... Yep. it's Brian you know, Wright, too. Yeah, it's, it's tough, right? There's a lot of things they got to work on there. And, um, you know, you don't want it to spiral out of control. Uh, okay, let's talk a little bit before, before we get on to Emily's game at York Lions. This was an unreal week. No better way to describe it. To go down to Central America and move on in the CONCACAF League to the quarterfinal stage. 
may well be only one win away. It may not even need to win the tie. Let's see how it goes. But one yeah. win away from winning a spot in next year's CONCACAF Champions League. Think about that and what this team continues to achieve. Charlie, over to you. Um, this is a, I, I almost think, an underrated soccer storyline here. And I, But mm-hmm. when I say that, I understand we're talking on a soccer podcast <laughs> and a lot of things in this country are underrated when it comes to this sport. Are they not? So, like, it's under, yeah. you know, the Canadian men's national team, the Canadian women's national team, they're under the radar. So, good luck, Forge. Uh, but my point yeah. being, this is a topic we should be talking about a little bit more because they're performing at some some incredibly high performances here that is unprecedented, really, not just in Canada, yes. but in North America for the birth of how old they are. They absolutely are. And it's really just always so much fun to watch this team go down into CONCACAF and to it pretty much every opponent they play, it seems, has underestimated them a little bit because, you know, they these are the very established clubs in the regions with very long histories and and they play it at very good levels and in strong leagues with, again, established histories. And Forge comes down and they're this three-year-old team and they, in, in some cases, play them off the park or if they don't dominate, they're at the very least always there against these difficult teams, even the ones they've lost to in this competition. Right. They've never they've never looked like they don't belong against these teams, which is maybe the best thing you can say about it. They go down to Panama, they play Independiente, who are a very good side there. And, and you know, they've been very strong in the Panamanian League over the years. And Forge just look great, really, after that. Maybe a, a tough a tough bit of a start where they were maybe maybe trying to find their footing, but you know, suddenly they, they figure it out and you know, they, they march onward to Costa Rica now, which is, I don't know if they've been there before. They have not. Um, no, they no. Yeah, which is a, another another very good soccer nation. It's a very good league. And uh, honestly, I, I don't know, guys. I, I honestly think that Forge can win this tournament. Right, right. Yeah, Marty, go ahead. Well, another, like, you're sort of touching on there, Christian, about something that's been underappreciated. This Forge team just keeps having just, like, incredible amounts of, um adversity in these games like we have to talk about the babuli red card oh right? god like, like this yeah <laughs> charlie's charlie immediately gets flashbacks like that <laughs> happens right and you you see you know it's it's fascinating to to listen to a coach like bobby smirniona said even uh like captain uh, the captain kyle becker talk about how this team has evolved in dealing with these kinds of situations because that that play happens in you know, I'm sure any one of us, if we were on the field, would lose. Like, we would just lose our minds. Like, we would be on the floor. And like, the I've got my, that, I've got my money on Benedict not losing his mind. But go yeah, on. Benedict <laughs> would be, he'd be super chill. Everybody else would be, would be on the floor. But the, the, the way that they roll with those punches, and you know, they eventually just get to a point where you know, uh, Kyle Becker can can offer something like he did on on that second goal, and and they're away. Like. That's just an incredible testament to just how this team has built around just being resilient down there and, and making it work. That's a great point. A really great point because that is something that you cannot buy, right? No. That is something that you bring together and you hope you work through as culture. And Kyle Becker going at halftime saying he's got a smile on his face and saying, all right, let's do it the hard way. That is yeah. something that you bring through maturity. Emily, you've covered a team called Real Madrid under Zinedine Zidane, <laughs> who did this in the UEFA Champions League consistently. No, they knew hard times were coming for them. And they it's not just about being the best, most talented team from whistle to whistle. It's about mentality. And that's what champions have, Emily. Yeah, absolutely. I think the best way to describe it is 
kind of mesmerizing because like you pointed out, Christian, you, you can't buy that kind of mentality anywhere. Um, you can try and teach it. You can try and coach it, but it just comes down to the players and it comes down to the coaches and like, you know, the head coach, assistant coach or whoever it may be, but it's just, they have that type of mentality, whether we're talking about forage or real, it doesn't really matter, but they have the same um, way of, you know, taking things that kind of don't go their way, like the red card, and just building it up into something like, all right, let's just bounce back and figure out how to get this done because it needs to get done. And then they end up doing it, which is mesmerizing, like I said before. Um, but yeah, really impressive stuff. Yeah, and, and I get people will be listening to this, maybe players in the league, they may be you know, working for the clubs, they may be fans of the clubs that may not like Forge. So I understand why yes. you may say that, but I'm going to say something different. For me, it's enormous for our league. You know, yeah. for this Canadian Premier League, what they're achieving right now is absolutely unprecedented. Major League Soccer in their debut years, the three, four years into it, they were not going down to Central America getting results. You know, th this is unprecedented what Bobby Smiliotis and that coaching staff has put together, this leadership team that continues to push this team to another level. They are outstanding to watch. They're not, it isn't yeah. just sitting deep and defending. Mm -hmm. they, can, they can break open teams. Becker with his free kick. And I know a lot will be said, particularly over the next few hours, a few days when the schedule gets released and we're trying to accommodate Forge and these games are coming thick and fast and people are moving different things. But mm -hmm. this needs to happen for this team to work and to be successful. And if Forge is successful, the Canadian Premier League is successful. That is, that's what I would say. That's very, very mm -hmm. important. And yeah, they want to go on and will, win the Shield and lift the trophy whenever the final will be. But this CONCACAF League is just as important, if not more, for them after what they've accomplished the last couple of seasons. So uh, bring on Santos of Costa Rica coming up later this month. All right, next game is to the York Lions Stadium on Sunday. And this was an enormous clash between fourth and fifth, what seemingly now is a two-horse race for one spot. And we'll get to why with Charlie later with the disappointment from Valor Edmonton. Uh, but Emily, you are our correspondent on this game. York and Halifax are familiar foes. In fact, they now draw fourth time in a row. And by the way, the game before that, Lowell Wright scored in the 90th minute to decide the game. That's how close these games are. They consistently take points away from each other. Uh, York scored first and last in this one. In between, Halifax got two goals inside 50 minutes in the first half. Um, when, you know, Garcia got his first goal, Akeem Garcia from open play after he wasn't even supposed to play in the game, only came on into the lineup 10 minutes before kickoff when Alex Marshall got hurt and Kamara got his first goal of the season as well. Rivera opened the scoring and Ulbricht at the end. Emily, first of all, how much did you enjoy this one? And uh, was it a fair result overall? Well, definitely a thriller for my first CPL game to cover. Uh, yes. Definitely not boring <laughs> at nice. all. Love it. Um, yeah, I know coming into it, I believe they had the nil-nil draw. So I was like, okay, let's yeah. see how this is going to play out. Um, but 2-2, two -two, okay, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, York, Jimmy Brennan said beforehand that they needed to make York Lions Stadium a fortress, cause problems for their opponents. Um, and they did right from the start. You know, they took the lead, I think it was like 13 or 12 minutes in, I believe, Rivero. Um, and they just showed their game plan super, super organized. And they knew exactly what they wanted to do. I think the Wanderers were kind of shell-shocked, I'll say, when they conceded that early on. Um, but then they kind of revamped their game plan and came back to bounce back and turn things around 2-1 before the break, which uh, very impressive to do. And then just... 
afterwards, it was just kind of a free for all. Who's going to take the opportunities that are landing in front of you? And uh, yeah, it ended up being York uh, with about roughly 10 minutes to go. So definitely entertaining. Um, you can see why these matches in the past have been so tight. It's just because neither team stops. You know, I think it was before for my preview, I wrote something. There were like seven goals after the 80 minute mark or higher. Mm. That's mm-hmm. that's insane. That that's a lot. So uh, yeah, definitely an interesting one. But I think it's I think it's kind of fair that the points are shared. Interesting. Yeah. It's funny because I thought York started the better as, as you as you as you alluded to, and, and again you can read Emily's great analysis on campiel.ca. But Halifax seemed to destroy York down the left hand side. Interesting that Jim Brennan didn't pick Chris Nific Enser to start the game. And uh, it just didn't seem right. Thompson and Wilson couldn't really get the the the, the balance together. Um, but Ensa came on the second half, and York were better. In fact, Emily, you wrote, looking at their second half stats, they had 16 shots, 10 crosses, and maintained 60% possession, all of which were key in making things 2-2. Um, carrying on after the match, you wrote, Brennan applauded York's ability to respond and felt they should have had m- held on to all three points. Quote, after we scored that second goal, yeah, of course, we were celebrating, but we felt something else was going to be coming. Uh, so interesting because that second goal looked like a planned move. It was a set piece directed to the back post that Ulbrick was able to come. So was it was it Jim Brennan, the most frustrated Emily after the game that didn't get the three points over him and Stephen Hart? I think so. Yeah. Um, you know, after that set piece, I think it was the second time where they just kind of took their opportunity because the Wanderers were just kind of not fully paying attention, in my opinion. And then back post, back post header is kind of a standard uh, for a corner kick. So, you know, then Forge's momentum, sorry, uh, York's momentum was just running and just like ramping really, really high. And there was a really big scramble in the box, the 85th minute, and then again, uh, even closer to full time. So I can understand why Brendan was a little bit upset. Um, he discussed it after the match saying like, you know, it just the ball, unfortunately just would not go in the net so they have to settle for uh a draw interesting so brennan's team are have lost one of 12 uh york one lost one game in 12 matches halifax unbeaten in 10 even though far too many draws in there uh, this is a race that's probably going to go down to the wire marty do you think coming in and we'll get to the others in a second but this is now the race is it not for playoffs it absolutely is and i think it's going to be very very enjoyable like you know i know you have in the rundown here like who do you think the the point is best for yeah at this point and you know i was trying to trying to game out the rest of the season and mm. like york gets to play ottawa twice sorry they get to play ottawa twice <laughs> they play edmonton as well they're a better team on the road and you're kind of looking at it, even though they're a point back, it seems like a point is, is, is quite a bit when, when teams are on this kind of form, but I'm not sure who else you think. I think it's going to be Ford's or I still think it's going to be York. That's going to pull this one off over Halifax. Charlie, what, what do, about you? Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I, I think, I think York probably feels, I, I'm, I'm a little shell shocked talking about close playoff race going down to the wire, but um, <laughs> sorry. At least anyway. there won't be like a four-way tie in our league yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah I mean, anyway. I mean, I mean, Raphael Devers with an absolute okay. laser to center right. field. Anyway. Uh, anyway. So, um, but, you know, I, I do think that a point in this game particularly is better for Halifax than it is for York. This result specifically, you know, they got players engaged they got akeem garcia on the score sheet which right. is huge yeah. for them yeah you know kamara getting engaged maury donor came back in this game which also sure. could be huge for them going down the stretch uh and as always you know in the cpl picking up a point on the road is generally generally pretty huge 
So I think York probably are easily the more disappointed team to not pull out the win at the end there because I, I think this does this does give Halifax a little bit a little bit extra life. What about you, Benedict? Who do you think the point was more uh, valuable for? Uh, I agree with what Charlie said, but I think it was probably more valuable for York in the sense that like if Halifax had passed them, I don't know if they would have looked back because they're in such a good run of form at the moment. Um, and they would have gone equal on points with Forge as well. For, for Forge played, of course. Um, so I, I do think that York will be happier with a point than, uh, than Halifax. Halifax is sixth draw in their last 10. They are good at home, but think about this. Forge at home twice to come and Pacific at home. Yeah. So they're yeah. going to have to be uh, yeah. to play them two super teams right now uh, to see how that's going to work out. Uh, by the way, in the standings, this means now for, uh, York will remain at fourth place. 21 games played and 30 points. Halifax, 21 games played, 29 points. Uh, and they have a significant gap now uh, to Valor, who also played 21, and Edmonton. Valor on 24 points, Edmonton on 19. Um, yeah, they're probably gone, uh, to be honest. So let's get to that Valor-Edmonton game. A game where coming in, Charlie, I know you were on the preview, probably a game yeah. that... If, if someone would have won the game, particularly Valor at home against mm-hmm. Edmonton, we probably could have made a case that, okay, here comes Phil DeSantos, you know, a new team, new ideas, yeah. three points, could still make this run. It's getting harder and harder for anyone to make a case that they're going to make the playoffs after this result and performance. Would you agree? Yeah, that, that felt like a game where it had to be the one for Valor. That had to be, you know, the result if they were going to get back into the playoff race. Just... It was their best performance so far under Phil Dos Santos of the three games they've played, but that's really the one where you needed to get the win at home against a team that's below you in the standings. With with no disrespect to Edmonton, who have been playing some good football recently, it's a game that you do need to win to get back into it. But you know, again, there is there there are positive things that Valor did take out of that game. They started to settle. It's obviously always a difficult situation when a coach takes over midseason. There's new things that you have to learn or adjust to and, and adapt to what's I'm sure been a very difficult and and strange week for the Valor players. But you know, they, they they did seem to look a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more composed. They're starting to figure it out a little bit, but maybe not not quite enough yet. It is obviously it's still only been like ten days since Dos Santos took over. And you know you can't really expect you can't really expect much. And they've played three times since then, which is crazy. <laughs> you can't you can't expect them to be instantly, you know, a different team than what they were before. But yeah, they they, they they're they're getting there. They're on the way, I think. Yeah, and Dos Santos alluded to that in your piece on the on, on our part on our uh, on our website here on campio.ca you talked about in your analysis quote i think that the guys are more and more comfortable with it talking about what the census is bringing he said i think they're enjoying playing with what we ask them quote i feel there's a lot more fee- a lot of feedback given to us not only feedback telling us how they feel on the field with what is proposed but also players challenging us a little bit in ways that are positive i think when players don't challenge you on maybe i can't make it here the way you want or maybe i do feel this is i may obtain other results at the end of the day they're the ones on the field if they're not comfortable with what we propose then you know they'll always refer back to the gray area so it's been good end quote i thought that was a pretty fascinating quote charlie because Mm -hmm. it already says that he's open to what the players are coming back. And it's not just my way or the highway uh, from Phil DeSantis, who has got his own ideas yeah. and can be a pretty intense guy, but it understands he needs the buy-in from the players here. Yeah, it is interesting because, you know, in the same press conference and 
as an aside, a Phil Dos Santos press conference uh, is a treat and usually about about three times as long as any other manager as well. But uh, yeah, because it's interesting because in the same press conference, somebody asked like if he thinks he's got a bit of an idea of what this team should look like or thinks he's got I, he's got principles that he wants. And he said, no, no, I know exactly what I want this team to look like. Right. Which is interesting in comparison to, to this other quote where he is talking about getting feedback from players who, you know, they know each other a lot better than he knows them. Right. They're a group that's been together this year. A lot of them have been there a couple of years now. Um, it's also noteworthy that, you know, Phil Dos Santos comes in and the assistant coaches are still there. Right. With, yeah. with uh, Damian Rock and I can't remember the other <laughs> assistant's name, unfortunately. But, uh, <laughs> but well, yeah. Patrick's the goalkeeper coach, right? He's another one. So. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick's yes, goalkeeper Patrick. coach. Um, but yeah, it's, it's exactly that. Phil Dos Santos has to come in so quickly and, and adapt so quickly that you really don't have a choice but to you know trust the players a little bit and ask them things about themselves as players, what they're comfortable with, what they think works for them. And it, there is there's definitely some some give and take, and I think he's very open to that. Phil, much, much like his brother, very good uh, box office kind of material his press conferences, and we'll always talk to you about things. Absolutely. Uh, no, no Twilight <laughs> references, though, Charlie? No, no Twilight no. references. He called himself an octopus at one point. Okay, which interesting. I, I, some connection to him being able to focus on many different things at once, keeping an eye on the long-term and the short-term. It was an, it was an odd metaphor. I'll, I'll be honest, but you know, I'd, it, I'd it, love the twilight <laughs> to come back. Cause then you could have said, well, one of the Eddie Kruger sucked the blood out of you with East Longaro goal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Is this like, is this like 28 days too early? This would have been a great Halloween podcast. Marty's disgusting. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely loving it. I was just wondering if they, if, he's, if, I, if they ever did like a team building exercise, you know, sometimes they'll do like Messi and Ronaldo, you know, you split up the room. Who's, who's the better player, but do team Edward and team Jacob. I think you should do that. You should yeah, absolutely do that. Do, that. Yeah, I, I, do we, do we have a preference here? Anybody? Uh, Benedict? <laughs> can't can't say the biggest. Fan. I don't even know the difference. I don't know the difference. <laughs> no. Emily, can you help us out with this? Like, I need anything. Uh, honestly, wasn't my thing. Good for you. <laughs> I was going to say you, you could have just gone with Ronaldo, and we would have been a lot easier to answer that one. The other one that <laughs> Marty was throwing up. Uh, but you know, Messi Ronaldo arguments can often lead to a lot of controversy as well. By the way, so yes. maybe we should we, we should stay away from that one. Uh, what what of Edmund, Edmonton in this, Charlie Alan Koch? Kind of familiar storylines in the pro in the post match presser. Not exactly yeah. giving it ninety minutes. Defensively, pretty organized. Angaro playing well again not quite having a difference maker, you know, similar things yep. again. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. It was an interesting one for Edmonton because, you know, I think that they noticed that they were maybe falling behind a little bit in the under 21 minutes. So they started a lot of younger players in this game, you know, Darlington versus Saranwa starts in goal. T-Boy, T-Boy Faye starts at right back. And then you've got, I don't think Gabriel Bogey is under 21, but these are a lot of players, even Matt Durant's come in, from the bench in previous games, they start this game, they're given the opportunity. Just, you know, because why not, right? At this point, if you're FC Edmonton, you want to give these players opportunities and chances to play. And they they looked pretty good. I thought Gabriel Boakie was good in the first half. Um, but then, you know, when, when the result is maybe on the table for them, they bring in the big guns, they bring in Angaro, they bring in Varshevsky and Fraser Aird around halftime and Obviously, it changed a lot. You know, the goal comes from Warshevsky and, and Ungaro are Eddie Krueger's, I suppose. <laughs> but That's right. the game, the game does change immensely once those guys are on the pitch. But there's no problem, really. There's nothing wrong with 
starting with some of these other players, giving them a chance just to, you know, see what they can do because Edmonton, probably similarly to Ottawa, they're looking for players to prove themselves down this, this last little stretch and just show the coaching staff what they've got and that they should be around next year. Angaro, four goals in his last six. You alluded to playing a lot of the youngsters. Edmonton's third game in an eight-game stretch in 26 days. So yeah. you need to mix it up a little bit. Uh, and it does appear that they are probably done, as they alluded to here, seventh so far. They play again this week. The fixtures to come this week in the Canadian Premier League starts as early as Tuesday in Winnipeg at IG Field. Valatek on Cavalry. As I read through these guys, I might ask you one uh, game that really catches your eye and why. Valat play Cavalry on Tuesday. Wednesday, uh, Halifax Wanderers at the Wanderers Grounds take on Forge uh, in the first of a doubleheader, followed by FC Edmonton taking on Pacific at Clark Field. We're back at it on Friday from York Line Stadium. York United take on Atletico Ottawa. And on Saturday, the come-on match of the week is in Edmonton. Sorry, no, it is in Alberta as Cavalry actually go home. I'm shocked. That's right. They play the first home game in the Canadian Premier League for six weeks as they take on Edmonton in the Al Clasico. Benedict, uh, what's on your radar there? in terms of what you're interested in this week? I think uh, York and Ottawa is going to be the big one. I think depending on the result of Halifax and Forge a couple days earlier, we'll see uh, what the playoff implications look like. If, if uh, York need to catch up or if York can increase the gap, well, I think that would be an interesting one to watch out for. Emily, what's on your mind on these ones? I think it's Wanderers versus Forge is the big one for me. Uh, in the post-match pressure, Peter Shala said, you know, that's what they're focusing on and they're ready to go back home and really try and get the three points this time. So it's going to be interesting. And like Benedict said, it's going to be massive for the playoff race too. Big game for them. And last time Forge went there, Halifax outplayed them and won comprehensively 2-0. Charlie, what about you? Just from a pure entertainment perspective, are you guys forgetting how awesome the last Valor Cavalry game was? Like these these guys wanted to fight each other on the pitch. <laughs> I did and, the game. Yeah, yeah I, I, I am really excited to see them play each other again. Bring it on. Uh, Marty, what about you? I'm going to look ahead to the El Clasico, if you don't mind, because we got the Wild Rose Cup being presented to Cavalry. That's always fun to see. Love always it. fun to see that. Hey, we touched on every game, so that just means I've got to I've got to pump Edmonton Pacific. Uh, so that's the fifth game of the five that you didn't talk about. So I'm looking forward to Edmonton Pacific in particular. Uh, under the lights and Pacific have been very impressive so far. And um, I think finally Josh Hurd gets to play a game after yeah. what has been a ridiculously long suspension. Uh, <laughs> so I'm missing Hurd. And I'm also missing Bustos, who, by the way, is Charlie's Twitter friend after yeah. he replied back to him this week. <laughs> um, if you missed it, uh, there was a bit of a debate on uh, Twitter in terms of MVP shouts. A little early for this, but, you know, this is what happens in the media sometimes. Almost. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can fight me on it. I don't care. I'm just my own, my own <laughs> thoughts. Uh, you know, uh, MVP shouts and uh, Charlie put out there a couple of guys and, and maybe Bustos and Bustos replied back to Charlie saying, I'm coming back. So Yeah, I, I said I said Bustos is still in the conversation for me if he comes back this year, if he st- gets back on the pitch soon. And he said, don't worry. Don't worry. He'll be back. <laughs> Bustos with that Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'll be back. Coming back. Exactly. <laughs> Love it. Uh, we all miss Bustos. And by the way, you just know that he's got a massive big red mark drawn over that mm-hmm. date at BMO Field uh, yeah. that he just can't wait after he missed the last couple of games in the uh, in the Canadian Championship. All right. We'll finish this week's conversation on Canada. That's right. The World Cup qualifiers are here. And also, by the way, the women's team have announced a celebration tour that will be taking place in Ottawa and Stade Saputo in Montreal. We'll get to that as well. But the men's team, the squad is out. 
three World Cup qualifiers coming thick and fast. We'll have coverage on that all this week, as usual, including Beyond the Pitch on Tuesday. My special guest this week is Tejon Buchanan. Uh, nice. It'll be a fantastic chat with Tejon. Looking forward to that. And um, yeah, this is uh, this is an interesting one, right? Because Atiba, Hutchinson, Kyle Aaron, a little bit injured. Milan Boyan with COVID. Concerns over this. An expanded squad, 27. They go to Mexico City. Then they go to Jamaica. We're still not quite sure about what they're going to get we, we get with the Jamaicans. And then home on the 13th against Panama. Uh, Marty, what are you looking forward to the most during this window? <clears throat> just just the Azteca. This happens yeah. every, every four years-ish, sometimes more. We have Canada go down there and play. And... I think unlike any other time in my lifetime, I'm going to be excited about it. Not dreading <laughs> as, as, as someone watching it. No, just, just being honest. Believing. Like this, yeah. Why not? This, no, yeah. I mean, this is, this is something you're going to like, okay. And this is also, there's just so many different litmus, litmus tests with this team, these teams. And we've talked about this on this podcast endlessly, but this is like one of those, one of those like big ones, right? This is the biggest one that they're going to get in this cycle. So just bring it on. I just want to see, I just want to see, I just want to witness it. Nothing better than the, the Azteca. I got to say, yep. me and Oliver Platt were geeking out a little bit like two tourists today in the one soccer house. <laughs> I was showing him my photos and what to do with at, at, at the Azteca in 2018, <laughs> and but how you walk up the ramp like Maradona and where you can go exactly where he scored the goal. And nice. Ollie's, on, Ollie's on his way to Mexico City on Tuesday for a one soccer coverage. So Man, I was showing him where to go at Azteca after I was there in 20, 2018. <laughs> uh, Emily, what catches your eye here about the men's World Cup qualifiers? What are you looking forward to? Uh, honestly, I just I have to agree with Marty. Uh, you know, just these qualifiers to begin with are just fantastic entertainment from a soccer lover perspective, putting aside my job and everything. Um, I went with my family to the match against El Salvador um, at BMO Field. It was my first game back, first live sports game, actually, for like 600 days or something. And it was just it was incredible. Counting, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just uh it's you know it's just an incredible time for Canadian soccer, and um, I tried explaining this to my father, who's not entirely big on the Canadian soccer scene, but he's a sports guy, so he understands. And I was just like, I don't think I don't think you know how big this could be. Um, you know, explaining to him they're going down to Mexico to play at the Azteca. I think he thought I was lying. It was not. <laughs> um, so, and it's just I I just I agree with Marty. It's just it's going to be massive, and you know whatever happens against Mexico. I think the second one that you have to keep an eye on is the one against Panama back in Canada um, yeah, because, yeah. you know, they have the point against the States to begin with in the first round. But then if they lose against Mexico, then it's going to be, okay, how do you respond when you're on home turf? Yeah, so it's, it's going to be interesting time. It's a great point. Benedict, what about you? That that home game against Panama, no matter what happens in the next two games, is uh, is massive. And thanks again for coming prepared with the Canada flag behind you, by the way. <laughs> no, no problem. Uh, as the other two said, uh, it has to go into Azteca, but I'll, I'll make a selfish answer and say uh, Mikhail Antonio playing against Canada will be exciting to watch. <laughs> Benedict okay, getting West a West Ham reference in. <laughs> by the way, it's not really a good day for you, mate, to talk about West Ham, is it? That, that is true. <laughs> Little, little, little side note, um, my son and I play this game called Scorgeous. Um, it's done by a few Premier League uh, ex-players, Stephen Caldwell's in there and everything. And you pick the scores of Premier League teams. And uh, and if if a team who was in the bottom six or got promoted this year beats a team in the top six, you get an extra 40 points, bonus points. It wow. doesn't really happen very often. Anyway, we picked Brentford to win today. 
and uh, they scored in the last seconds of the game. So we had hey, a bit of a... Yeah, on. Sorry about that. So just minutes after Villa got uh, denied by Tottenham, <laughs> and we weren't very happy. Oh. At least Brentford put a smile on our face. Charlie, to you, it's not really been a very good day for you, has it, really, with Villa? And no, Brentford. not particularly. No. Uh, <laughs> not particularly. Um, uh, but I'll, I'll try and brighten up your day. What about Canada, mate? Going to Mexico? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And, you know, they don't have to play against Leon Bailey in Jamaica. That's true. He's That's injured, which is right on. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm most excited for the home game. I think, you know, they play the two games on the road. If they pick up a result or two results from those those road trips, it's a hero's welcome. They come yeah. home to play Panama. I think BMO Field has more capacity than it did last time around That's right. uh, for, the, for the first window. It should be a lot of fun. These nights at BMO Field World Cup qualifiers, they're special. They're really special, and it's going to be just a lot of fun. It's a lot of pressure because it's probably a must-win game for Canada, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, great, great opportunity for them to continue to, you know, just keep this momentum going, right? Because this is a mm -hmm. grind, you know, it's yeah. a grind. We've seen lots of countries missing players and pool of six out and rain is out for the U.S. And obviously we don't know about some of these Canadian players, whether they'll be available for that Canada game or not. But as usual, campl.ca across all our platforms, um, you know, Charlie's writing, Benedict's writing and, and myself and Emily's going to get involved and Marty doing the clips and everything. We've got all our stuff out there, tons and tons of work coming up uh, for us this week. And it's really exciting. We'll end with the women's celebration tour. And this is great news as well. Finally, the girls are going to come back and play in front of fans in Canada. I know it's taken a bit longer than they probably wanted it to do, but there's lots of scheduling going on and the teams are playing, playing around the world. Um, Emily, let me turn to you first. This is just brilliant news that the, girl, the, the women's team is coming back and playing, first of all, in Ottawa and then Montreal, both against New Zealand. And the best part of it is the entire squad's coming back to play. Yeah, definitely exciting. Uh, like you said, Christian, a lot of fans were waiting for this announcement. It's kind of rumors, kind of murmurs, um, and it's finally out. I think it's super exciting. And important to note that it's not just on the East. Uh, Canada Soccer did say, I know there was a lot of Twitter talk and how it was just in Ottawa and Montreal and how they're only like two hours away from each other. But um, <laughs> they will be going to the West eventually. When that happens, we're not sure yet. Um, but super exciting. I don't think um, I've seen this much support for the women's team, even with the back-to-back -back bronze. The gold has just changed the landscape and it's for the better, obviously, and super exciting. And, you know, Bev Priestman's doing something here. She really yeah. is. So Yeah, they're like yeah. rock stars, aren't they? It's yeah. great. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's like rock stars. Benedict, you're you're happy about this. I know you've covered them a lot, and you know these, uh, these, 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 this team probably better than all of us. Um, this is an, a moment that should be celebrated, and certainly at least two, and probably more, occasions that the that this group of players deserve. Yeah, definitely. I think they haven't played in Canada since I think May 2019. I think it was. Um, so wow. it's a long time coming. Oh, yeah, They've been right. able to play home. Ashley Lawrence said. Uh, in the press conference that like, she didn't get to play a game before they left for Tokyo, which is mm. something they did before every mm. other Olympics and World Cup. So being able to now come back with some hardware and, and celebrate it with everyone is going to be pretty special. And I, I may or may not be heading to Ottawa for that game. So I'm uh, <laughs> looking forward to that as well. <laughs> Brilliant stuff, mate. I'm looking forward to hearing from you there as well. I uh, know. Congratulations to Canada Soccer. As Emily quite rightly said, this is not the end. This is just a start. This is just a tour. You know what I mean? They're putting together this. And at the end of the day, we all remember that, you know, these players are playing high level Champions League and league games all around the world. And it's not easy to put the schedule together. And 
and every credit they've got this. I'd much, I don't know about you guys. I'd much rather see them do this when they know all the players can come than having yeah. some kind yeah. of part-time five of them are playing here or there and come celebrate these kind of group. But this is the way it should be. As a group, they win as a gold medal. As a group, they come back and they celebrate as a group. That's give I'm give us Christine Sinclair at BC Place, please. Please. Oh, I think I'll fly out. out. I literally will fly out. <laughs> <laughs> we need that. We I think, need that. I think it's happening. Hey, if Christine, <laughs> if Alfonso Davies can play in Edmonton, uh, yes. you know, Christine Sinclair can also play. Awesome. Yeah, Christine yeah. Sinclair can play in, uh, in in BC. May or not be going to Edmonton, not sure. But if I do, I'll be on the lookout for, you know, who, boys? Who am I looking for in Edmonton? Oh, yeah. Who? The Eddie Krueger's. Eddie Krueger's. <laughs> and on that bombshell, we'll end the show. Thanks to Emily, Benedict, Charlie, and Marty. And most importantly, thanks to you for listening and watching. Enjoy the games, everybody. And be careful who's behind your back. <laughs>